Our lives intersect the lives of other people, groups, or even whole governments. What happens next is what I explore in this podcast. Welcome to Intersections. I'm Brett Dickerson, your host. I'm interviewing Jack Fowler, who is an artist and freelance writer, well-known freelance writer and artist here in Oklahoma City. Uh, Jack, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks All for right. uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, good. I'm uh, really glad I got a chance to interview you, Jack, because I've been wondering about a lot of stuff about about your work and about kind of how you go at your work. You have a very unique style of art. Um, I appreciate that. Um, and you know, it's a it's a style of art that a lot of people really like. Um, and, and so tell me how you kind of came to this particular style of art that you have. First of all, kind of describe the, the, um, the, uh, colors. I'm looking at one piece on the wall here of a couple of cowboys riding along and you've got a lot of black and a lot of orange and red on there, which is, you know, is kind of a unique combination there. Have you always kind of gravitated toward those bold colors or or has that been kind of a development over time i i think i have um i've only been a a working artist since 2012 yeah and hadn't really painted a whole lot before that but i look back on my work now and i went through when i first became an artist all i painted were portraits yeah and I look back on it now, and the bold colors and the high contrast of colors has always been something I've done. I, I don't really know uh, what draws me to that. I just I don't work very much at all in muted tones. I just never have. Um, yeah. I think I'm drawn to stuff, uh, other people's work. Um, I think color is a, a huge thing for me. And, right. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't a conscious thing, but it is definitely something I can go back and look at now and say that's right. always been part of my style. Yeah, 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 and all and also fairly, <clears throat> fairly simple. You don't mm-hmm. a lot a lot of your pieces don't strike me as being, you know, you, I wouldn't call them busy at all. They're mm-hmm. they're very, very straightforward. There's a certain kind of simplicity to them that I think people are attracted to. I think so. Uh, I'm I'm really and another thing that you know you could I couldn't see until I had a small career to look back on. But I think I've been really influenced by Asian art. Ah, yeah. Um, I love clean lines. I never blend paints. Every every color and almost every painting you see in here has its own space. There's no. Yeah. Uh, I like. I do like simplicity. I, I never shy away from that word. I think. Yeah. Um, there's something to be said for if you can pare something down. And still strike someone with three brush strokes instead of four. That's kind of a small victory for me, I guess. Maybe, <laughs> Good, you know. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. then on the other side of that, you know, every once in a while I'll do a cityscape that is just grotesquely busy. Yeah. Um, but I do those like maybe once a year. Yeah. Because they're horrible to make, <laughs> and they take me they take me take weeks. Forever, and, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that the development of the simplicity is partly because of the other kinds of art I like right. and because I, I have a kind of a short attention span. 
<laughs> and I yeah. really do. And I, I yeah. like being able to sit down and work on something hard for a day or two days or right. three days, but I don't like working on something for three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, or a month or something. Like yeah. That. And I mean, I've had to do that before, but yeah. it's a, it's, it becomes grueling to me. Yeah. Talk, talk about a big piece that, you know, takes a lot of time. You've done some mural work here in Oklahoma city. Tell us about that. Well, uh, I'm I'm about to do some. Oh, okay. Yeah, this will be my first really large scale piece. The biggest one I've done until this point has been uh, 16 by 8. Okay. Which, you know, um, took me a week, but it's not like what I'm about to tackle. Yeah. What, what, I'm about was, to, what was that one? Where can we see that? Uh, I don't know where that is. It used to be downstairs in the Fred Jones building where 21C is now. Oh, okay. And it was All just right. a big portrait of yeah. Desmond Mason that he commissioned me to paint for him for one of his art shows there. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and that is the biggest piece I've made. Right. But what I'm about to do is uh, 200 feet long by 25 feet tall. And where's that going to be? The backside of the Bricktown Events Center. Okay. And is that the octopus? That's the octopus. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's going there. Right, right. And that <clears throat> that has already drawn quite a bit of attention. It's, it has. Yeah. Which yeah. is great. Which is incredible. <laughs> like I I actually had coffee with Steve Lackmeyer yesterday. Right. I'd never met the man before. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh it, it was great. Like I knew it would yes, be. It was fine. Of course. Yeah. And um but I actually told him, look, if I can figure out some way for you to come at me again before this, <laughs> just to keep this on the, everybody's plate, because I mean, it's, you yeah. know, as an artist, you know, that translates directly into you making a living. It's just a one to one ratio. The yeah. more people know your name, right. the more likely you yeah. are to pay rent this month. That's yeah. just the way Let's our just lives are. A little bit of the backstory on that. Uh, the uh, design came out. Mm-hmm. And Steve Lackmeyer, who's very active on Twitter, uh, writer for the Oklahoman, mm-hmm. uh, very focused on downtown, Mister Downtown. He knows all that, everything all that about downtown. Yeah. He came out with some, you know, some people perceive to be negative opinions mm-hmm. about about your design, uh, and and so take it from there, Jack. What happened? Next? Well, you know, and he's he's smart enough and a good enough writer that he knows that right. a journalist just has to ask the questions right. in a way. So he really wasn't negative, but he. I mean, we both smirked at each other. Yeah. He know he knew what he was. He's a bit of a pot stirrer, which I empathize with. Right, right. Yeah. But he questioned whether that was the appropriate place for my design, and right. submitted an idea of his own that Charlie Christian should be there in the octopus's <laughs> place, which I took a bit of umbrage to because, right. um, as a working artist for the last three or four years. Uh, it's kind of been a burr under my saddle that everyone thinks we work for the tourism bureau. Right. And uh, I have a joke, you know, put a bison on it is like my standard joke for (laughs) this glut. And it's not as bad as it used to be, but this glut of, you know, like guys, are you getting checks from the state here or what? Like, um, so I didn't want to do an Oklahoma mural. Right. I mean, we've got enough of that. And I, and, but I had no idea Bricktown had a law against that. And they wow. did. It was on the books for years. It could only be historical in nature, any yeah. public art. Okay. And so um, my friends Jill and, and uh, Stacy at Downtown OKC kind of went to bat for me. Okay. And got the law changed. So right. I'm going to get to be the first guy that paints something non-Oklahoma related in mm-hmm. Bricktown, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about. And I thought it was really cool of them to go to bat for me like that. Yeah. So 
uh, that's that's going to be a pretty big project, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's not going to be as bad as as the space you know would lead you to believe it's going to be. I don't have to paint the background. I, I lucked out in that the oh, building yeah. is this lovely light uniform gray oh, wow. that's going to yeah. serve fine as a background color. Yeah. And so it'll be, and my friend Steven Tyler, who's got drones and cameras and toys, <laughs> he's going to help me project it on oh, the good. wall. So that yeah. way I can get some help right. and just say, paint where you see it. And I don't, right. they don't have to be too skilled to, to <laughs> help me, you know. Like, that really helps a lot, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I, you know, I'm thinking of getting my high school baseball team to come <laughs> be my free interns or something, but it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And we're going to paint at night because I'm probably going to start this summer, I hope downtown okc will throw a like a reception on the opening not when i'm finally done oh, good. it's okay. gonna be great I, yeah I that is wait. great yeah. that is great but it was a big stink until recently well yeah, I mean. yeah and in and in some cases um as you said that like every kind of attention get your name out there mm-hmm. and and it helps it just helps to get it out there, doesn't it? Well, and it's just a lot more graceful when you don't have to do it yourself. <laughs> you just let the press do it for you. And that's that's right. just a lot easier, you know. Right, right. But, it, see, it seems to me that that being being a graphic artist like you really is is kind of a uh, kind of an iffy thing business wise, isn't it? It's it's just a constant development process, isn't it? Well, you mean a visual artist? Yeah, yeah I, visual would, I wouldn't call myself, a, yeah. but iffy's not the word uh it's it's a constant grind just yeah. constant uh-huh. and, and to be honest you know i still get stressed out about money i don't want to sound like i'm above it because i'm not and it's something i constantly have to deal with right. but because i've had to deal with it so long i do feel like i've kind of beaten a system in a way because mm-hmm. i don't my lifestyle never takes a hit when i'm poor right it just doesn't and it a lot of that has to do with this town right and i have simple tastes and yeah but i i can still maneuver in this city i'm overdrawn at the bank right now that's a fact yeah but if i had 10 grand tomorrow my life wouldn't change and i think that is me sort of beating right. a system and i still worry about it but not nearly as much as if i've been tossed from the lap of luxury into my current predicament yeah. i'd throw myself out a window maybe if that yeah, but yeah, as yeah. it stands now i love my life i just happen to be poor all the time yeah but it's just the I have brown eyes too. It's just not. It's not something I think about sure. anymore. You know. Sure, sure. Some people's talents lead toward a lot of big money. Other people's talents lead toward other things besides big money. I've I've never made big money myself either. Yeah. You know. And, I don't know a lot of people. Grew up who on have. a farm. Grew up on a farm, and so I learned about about dealing with financial uncertainty. I know you and I both as freelancers, we both write. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're both freelance writers uh, for several publications and. And um, um, I, I do some photography also. So uh, putting a lot of different um, a lot a lot of different streams of income together is uh, critical, isn't it? In in terms of the business mm-hmm. of a uh, creative, just making a normal income is nearly impossible. Just doing my painting. I yeah, mean, yeah. some months I'm great, and some but you know, right. it's it's uncertain. So. Right. The freelance writing has, uh, that's my steadiest income is writing for the Gazette, yeah. you know, two or three uh-huh. stories a week or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I get, I'm fortunate enough that, uh, 
Um, they let me. I'm their editorial cartoonist now. Yeah, I get to do that every uh-huh. week. That's hey, that's the hardest art I do every week. That is the hardest thing I have to do every week, is come up with those cartoons. That's a very that was a very surprising challenge for me that I'm really glad I got to tackle. But tell us about that particular challenge because it's it's always seemed to me to be especially doing political cartoons or some sort of editorial cartoon where you have one pain right there two and, column and inches that's, man that's and it that's it um is it uh, talk talk about how hard that is because i think a lot of people think oh yeah those are kind of simple drawings and whatever that's, but it's supposed to have meaning isn't it you're supposed to walk yeah. away thinking about something ideally yeah or at least laugh i'll settle for laugh most <laughs> weeks that that is more important to right. me than yeah but it does it has to be topical which i mean i i have a routine and jennifer knows the edit my editor yeah um part of my routine is is always being late for my deadlines and (laughs) i know when i've got to do it right and i'll have to turn everything off and be quiet and sit there and really right meditate on what am i going to do this week and when i get it the art is the hardest part of it the drawing is the hardest part right right i can make a painting way faster than i can make a uh, most of my if i have like a more detailed cartoon it can take me three or four hours sometimes because you're yeah. you got to draw it. You have to uh, you know two column inches. It yeah. has to read like a punchline, so right. it has to move left to right, and uh-huh. uh, you have to position the characters in a way where some people's backs. It's just it's wow. It's been really tricky. And uh, do you know Jason Pauly? He's an artist here in town. He yeah. uh-huh. when he got the uh, highway underpass contract. Yeah. Um, I was down interviewing him for that, and we were just talking about. I had just gotten the editorial cartoon job, yeah, and I've been begging Jennifer for more space, and just <laughs> please give me one more inch, or can I run this one vertically? Or and she never would let me. And I, I was kind of griping to Polly, and he yeah. said he just read this article about an, a graphic artist who had been hired at a job, and his boss gave him these real strict parameters on what he could and couldn't do, right? And he felt chafed by it uh-huh. until he adjusted his mind this guy whoever he was and started saying okay if i'm the confines made him feel safe to experiment in other ways right and that it actually improved him as an artist being given those strict guidelines because he couldn't let his mind go to a habitual place he had to think of it in a new way which is what we always try to do as artists but we're we're human beings we fall into ruts right and we need stuff like that to make us better at what we do. And, and ever since Paulie told me that, I have just relished it every week. Even though it's yeah, really yeah. hard, I look at it as making me better at everything else I do. And I think am it I, is. Am I writing? I've 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 learned to see the deadline as 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 liberation. Yes. You know, that, like, well, I, I still like want to turn be, in my I last would, story. I would be obsessing about this stuff forever. Right. And the and the deadline is what and and I also write occasionally for the Gazette, four hundred five, and other mm-hmm. other publications like that. And um. I mean, if it weren't for the deadline, I would never finish anything. I mm-hmm. I, I don't. Uh, which strangely enough now it 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 really 
well, you know, I started off writing for an online publication. It was pretty immediate stuff. My editor expected that to be up that day. Red Dirt Report, mm-hmm. Andrew over there at Red Dirt Report gave me a shot, and I, I will always appreciate that. Pretty much it was ex- it was expected that day. It was short turnaround stuff. So when I started writing for the Gazette, it's like on a weekly cycle. That was, you know, right. writing for print. When you're writing for print, you know, you've got a word budget and only so much space. Mm-hmm. They're counting on you to write inside of these parameters just like you're drawing mm-hmm. in there. And and um, so right at first, you know, it was, it was just kind of terrifying at first. And, and now I've really learned to really enjoy those parameters. Right. Like just, just like you, that's, that's what made me think about that mm-hmm. was that, you know, when you're talking about that artist saying, you know, now inside of these parameters, now I can be as creative as I exactly. want to be in there. Yeah. It, yeah. it was a kind of a re- revelation for me. It really was. <laughs> and I know what you mean with the writing, too. A deadline is the thing that sometimes makes you let it go. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes I just can't wait to let it go. If I, <laughs> but if I'm really into right. a piece of writing and I've really yeah. worked at it and crafted it, uh, giving it to Jennifer is what makes me say that's not mine anymore. Uh, right. And that's right. that's a hard thing to do sometimes. You're right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, it is. Which makes me, I don't, I don't know about you, but it makes me really appreciate somebody that writes novels or writes screenplays oh, I don't know how they and do that. Never, never know if anybody's going to look at it or not. I don't, I don't get how any of those people ever finish anything. That's, yeah. they are amazingly disciplined to do that with nobody there with a deadline. Like right. I, I don't know how you could write a novel and put that much of yourself into something yeah. and ever be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess that's an easy thing for me to say, cause I've never written a novel. <laughs> people say that about paintings too, all the time, yeah. that, but I'm, People always say uh, artists are never done with their painting. That's not true with me. I I yeah. know when I'm done. Really, um, really, I really yeah. do. You go, okay, this is it. Mo- nine times out of nine and a half. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once in a while, I'll see right. something that I need to right. tweak. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I never really have that problem. Let it, I never mind letting paintings go. Yeah, it never bothers me, which I don't know why that is, but writing does. I just I just wonder if if. Um, trying to find the right price for your work if that's if that's hard to do i mean if i you know just kind of thinking about that you know you pour a lot of yourself into it um i heard i heard one artist one time say that when she first started you know going to shows and selling her visual art she was fretting about that and a longtime painter said you know what if it sells it was the right price is that is that kind of the way to an extent yeah um and this this is i'm being honest okay like some people have an equation that they stick by square footage time size right i've learned that my main equation for selling a piece is especially like right now when i'm really you know scraping the bottom of the barrel here you you think i consider two things one What's the least amount I can get for it and and still sell it right. without offending or insulting my peers who right. are also selling art? I will never right. go below an obscene basement level because then that's not fair to any number of a dozen people that I know that are trying to do exactly what I'm doing. That's right. So I will never I, – I don't ever want to screw up the market. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah. like, yeah. sometimes, I mean, these paintings I've got on the walls here, I've had them for months now. Uh-huh. And I obviously am not going to go up, but I'm not going below what they're at now either. Right. And I feel like I owe that to everyone in my community, sort of. 
And I think I, I think a lot of people in a lot of businesses struggle with that too sure. about about not killing the whole market. If if enough of of anybody that sells anything, well, the oil market's based on the same watermelons I mean, right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know, if you sell, if enough people sell below value, then it then it just screws the whole market, right. doesn't it? So well, that, it that's makes what it you're harder. Talking about. It, yeah. and, and and here in a small town, it makes that way more tangible. You can see the effects, right. the ripples in the pond. You can see quicker here. Yeah. Okay. So like yeah. you know. It's happened a f- couple of times over the years where somebody wanted to hire me for something and they asked me what I'd charge and I told them and they said, well, the last guy did it for beer or whatever. And <laughs> and I'm just like, well, that's I wish he wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh-huh. you know, I get it. Um, I do things for friends. I donate to organizations sometimes when they ask. But sure. I yeah. do. I do try to be careful about that just because right. I know how hard this is. Yeah. And me making it harder because I really lowballed somebody would make me feel pretty guilty. I think. Yeah. You know, I think well, that, that was, says a lot about you. Well, I just think I'm afraid of bad karma. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much credit I deserve. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to pay rent, man. So. <laughs> so why don't we why don't we talk about the other way that people know you really well, which is your show on the Spy. Um, first of all, tell us what the Spy FM is. Tell us about. Well, just just start there, and then I'll ask you some more questions. Uh, we're lucky enough to have a great independent radio station here in town. Ferris O'Brien started yeah. it. I don't what twenty five years ago. I don't know. <laughs> I, before my time here, and it's gone through a few permutations over the years. Right. But now it's on the uh, NPR station here in town, ninety one point seven. Yeah. Until KOSU. until yeah KOSU yeah. until uh, seven o'clock. And then from seven till the next morning, it's the spy and it's independent yeah. programming. And uh, there's, I think, a dozen or 14 uh, independent radio shows on the spy run by uh, independent local DJs from here in the community. Wow. And yeah. we're really lucky. Um, it's a pretty nationally uh, prestigious, independently owned, yeah. uh, especially for the size of our market. Right. And um, it's really an amazing collaboration there. How a public is. radio station decided to to take to you know put to, put together a collaboration. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what the business end of that is, either. and that's okay that I don't know. <clears throat> uh, but but that's a that's a pretty unique kind of collaboration there because because the spy you know it's pretty obvious that you guys have quite a bit of creative freedom oh, I, yeah i mean it's it's a little nerve-wracking sometimes <laughs> i mean i have to and, yeah. and once a month i'll text ferris and ask him is this word finable yeah and he'll coach me out of it because he's been doing this a long time yeah. but yeah i mean we're all allowed to reach for that envelope right yeah which makes it well, that's why it's cool radio man that's i mean right. those shows are really cool like Every night of the week, and when I'm driving somewhere, have some time, or I like every show on here. I mean, there's some yeah. that's not my style. Like I'm not a huge dance music guy or stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. But they're all entertaining and well done, and the DJs are creative, and and they're all they're all local. They're all people, local, aren't people. they? When that collaboration first started, when 
I get. I guess I was. I was just talking to Ferris uh, uh, about that. A matter of fact, it's the first time I ever met him, and I, mm-hmm. you know, most people don't know who a, he is. A reporter. <laughs> I just, you know, started yeah. asking a lot of questions, and so, and and so he was talking about his commitment, mm-hmm. KOSU's commitment to to have local people on that program. There are all kinds of nationally syndicated programs yeah. out there, but he had a real commitment to local people. Uh, local people doing that so so and you're one of them which which night are you on? i'm on sunday nights at eight o'clock at eight, <clears throat> my show's called tumbleweeds all the way down tumbleweeds mm-hmm. is it that sounds kind of like a country western kind it, of thing. it is um more or less it, it it's kind of just become a joke my show's format is american roots music technically <laughs> yeah. that's how yeah, i started okay okay <clears throat> uh, but frankly it's just morphed into whatever song i like <laughs> <laughs> and most of what I like is rootsy music, so that's right, just okay. how it works out. Right, right. Um, but he, I mean, Ferris lets me play like any given week. Maybe it's seventy-five percent blues and country and bluegrass, twenty yeah. percent soul and Motown. Okay, and then I, and then I'll play with one or two old TV show jingles, old commercials from my childhood, hip hop, right. Whatever I can work in, yeah. Um, and I think people respond to it. And my bosses have never told me to quit, <laughs> so I just assume <laughs> you're still working there. As long, so, yeah. I'm still working there, right. and it was like the most. It's another testament to this city, right? Right. I had zero seconds of radio experience. I had never, mm-hmm. and I had done a tell a music telethon for the Spy. Yeah, three years ago, I came in and played music for thirty minutes at like four in the morning. Right. Yeah. And thought that was kind of fun, and I always had it in the back of my mind. I bet I could do a radio show, and I'd always <laughs> like needle Ferris about it when I saw him. <laughs> like, you gonna give me a show, boss? I'd, I'd knock this out of the park for you, man. <laughs> and then uh, her name was Samantha Lamb. She had a really good show on there called Songs from the Plains for oh, years. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was on Sunday nights, uh-huh. and I woke up one morning and logged into facebook and she said i'm moving to tennessee and i immediately texted ferris uh-huh. and and said can i come try out for some yeah. at the lamb spot uh-huh. Uh-huh. and i remember him saying all right just bring a demo in to the station next weekend and i had to t- i said i don't know i not only don't know what a demo is <laughs> I, if i did i don't have the means to create one for you you're gonna have to show me like what button to push and, yeah and uh-huh. he did and I went on the air like a week later, and yeah, yeah. it's been great. But I just lucked into it, and it just took off, and it's my all-time favorite thing that's ever happened to me. I wow. love having that radio show. Yeah. It's a blast. Well, and and other people in this city love uh, uh, like like every one of those shows because they are so unique. They are. So tied <clears throat> to the personality. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's just obvious that, that each personality on each of those nights uh, – they really put a lot of themselves into they that. Do. It didn't. It didn't. Some sort of bean counter from corporate, you know, from corporate right. headquarters telling you, no, no, you know, our study show that that doesn't work. That song doesn't work. And this mm-hmm. doesn't. You know, which is a lot of radio now. And, right. And and so I think a lot of people don't know that that's what radio is a lot now. Yeah. And and I think secondly, people don't know that you guys are local. Mm-hmm. You know, all of your programs are so. And this this is a real testament to Ferris about about how about his deep experience yeah. in in the whole business is is that he has been able to take you guys just like you and just coach you up on the on the technical side of things if 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 you bring the personality he can he can get you there i, right? I think yes. that's really a good 
a good description of how he does. He's like a good coach. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he he makes sure you line up in the right place, and then he lets you run with the ball. <laughs> You're like right. just get him to the stadium on time. Yeah. That kind of, yeah, that's how he. And it's this the coolest group of people. I didn't know really any of them. I didn't know any radio people, and yeah, getting to know them has been cool. My favorite thing about the spy shows is that everyone who has a show, Juke Joint, Jenny, Tom Tom Hudson, Soul Time is a good example. Yeah. Um, the Toaster Brunch with E-Roy. Those people are all encyclopedias of whatever music they're playing. Right. They don't just skim the, you know, record collection. I mean, they dig for their for their music yeah. and they educate you on, you know, the, you, you learn. I learn stuff every time I listen. Yeah. Years and albums and everyone really is into what they're doing. And, and yeah. I think that's what makes it good. No one phones it in most of the time. Yeah, well, you know? yeah, people can tell that you know, you know that music. Each, each one of you with the with that unique flavor every night um, uh, has a really deep knowledge and love. A love for it. I think that's what. And people will call you on that. Like they want to make sure you, they think you know everything about that kind of music. (laughs) And if they stump you, they, they're they're really, I mean, they think that you're, that's part of your job is that you should be able to tell what label Merle Haggard recorded on in 1972 or I'm some kind of a jackass for not knowing that. So you learn a lot from those challenges oh, every week i yeah. learn well i make sure i just it's fun for me because i learn stuff every week that i didn't know before and mm-hmm. it's it's a blast you just get to curate a great playlist every week and learning something every week is what it's about isn't it it helps it i keeps mean it interesting. Just, just with everything yeah then it, it i think that's yeah. a good point to quit on right there okay. jack fowler thank you very much thank you, for sir. your time today i interrupted jack working in a studio right here i was just sitting doing in that for show business I, no i never i don't do anything all day <laughs> <laughs> i just said that for your benefit i'm leaving as soon as you leave <laughs> <laughs> so jack thank you for thank your you, time sir. i appreciate, appreciate it. it all, all right, right man that concludes our interview there are several ways for you to catch this weekly podcast Go to our website at intersectionsok.com where you can subscribe, listen to episodes, read the backstory, and see photos of our guest. On iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and our Facebook page, we are Intersections Oklahoma. On Twitter and Instagram, we are Intersections OK. I always want to hear about the cool people in your life, so write to me. My email address is ideas at intersectionsok.com Stephen Tyler is our awesome production advisor and I am your host Brett Dickerson <laughs>